What you thinking? Come on, Brandon. You're always thinking about something. It's true. How it comes out normally does not match what is going on in the head. <laughs> is that not the truth? There you go. Hmm. The verbiage on that didn't quite come out like it should have right. sounded in my head. You know, when you say things like, hey, we're going to go to the adult store instead of the man store. Right. Or, you know, the, yeah. What was the leather shop and then the adult store? Yes. And I was thinking in the back of my head, since you work for the church, how are we going to explain this to the pastor? Eh, He'd probably laugh and get it. He would laugh (laughs) and get it, but it's all about the verbiage. Dude, me and my verbiage. And text messaging is even worse anymore because the things can come across as like, oh, they're like really serious. They don't. And then there's other times it's like, it's supposed to be a joke. Yeah. Or it's supposed to, or you're you're trying to be serious and they think it is a joke. You know what I mean? I've said for well now they have the little faces you can put on there with your texting. Oh yeah, so you can actually kind of little like emotion toward what you're trying to emotion you're portraying. But man, for the longest time, I always said you need to have like you need to have a a emotion. You're just thing. way hipper than I am. So I usually my problem is is I will tell I use that little uh, button with it so the microphone button and say, "Hey honey, I'm coming home from the store." And it will come up with whatever, and I just send it. Oh, right. Yeah. And then you get you get back the, huh? Yeah. Question mark? Like, Siri does that I, come, out, come across like you really wanted it to? Siri and I don't get along at all. We we fight. Oh, I've, I have one of those Apple Watches, and every now and again, you know, while drinking, I might tell it certain things just to see what it does. If it usually shuts tell, down. Yeah. I was going to say, if you tell Siri enough words that are dirty or otherwise colorful. provocative Provo- provocative colorful i, I like that colorful yeah um yeah she will tell you i think we need a break or and or, or this conversation is over goodbye or something like that or i'm not i'm done talking to you now something along the lines of yeah yeah and uh yeah that may have happened on a drive back from fishing in kenai one day yeah. after a few beers well not driving with the beers but there was a it was an overnight on the kenai driving trying to drive back Maybe a little. So yeah, the night before, there was plenty of beers, and the next morning there was a lot of fishing and early morning, and and then the uh, the uh, now it's all catching up to me. And I'm tired, tired and I think we were, we we're going back for a softball game. Oh. <laughs> Believe it or not, we went we went down bear hunting in uh, in Homer, and okay. that ended up with a lot of beers. I mean, let's face it, you're down in Homer. He had Homer. That's a fishing Homer brewing t- company uh, right there. I was gonna say that's a drinking town with a fishing, fishing problem. problem. Absolutely. So it's kind of like Girdwood. That's a that's a weed town with a ski problem. But true. anyways, we digress. So th- that trip started down and it started with you know coming off shift, so twenty four hours of work. Oh, one of those driving to Homer, sitting in the in the the port there, waiting for the waves to die down enough for my buddy to come back across the bay with his boat to get us. Finally, that happened about ten thirty, eleven o'clock at okay. night. Get across the bay and hanging out there. Get up early the next morning ish. After a few beers that night, <laughs> and uh, do some hiking around, some boating around, trying to find some bears, doing some fishing, and then uh, that next, later that night, I believe, yeah, we uh, turned around, head back to Anchorage, came all the way back to Eagle River, got the raft. The next day, I think we spent uh, by that time it was the next day, uh, and then <laughs> when it starts, yeah. you have one of those. I don't just remember like, how many, yeah, yeah. which That's day a, it was which. What, what day is that? Yeah. Is, is it all like, the way, of course all the way back to Eagle River? Got the raft, went down to the Kenai, floated the Kenai, spent the night on the Kenai. That next day, finished the float, drove all the way back for a softball game, and then went to bed and back up for work for the shift the next day. Well, see, the worst part about that is that, you know, like, in the lower 48, even in the middle of summer, like, you, there is a definite, like, 
it was nighttime, so I know that like this occurred at night. Yeah, up here, uh, you know, between it's like coming back from Homer was on the solstice, summer solstice. Right. So I remember that. But so my point is, is that we have like what three and a half hours of quote unquote darkness. It's really and it's not even dark; it's twilight. It's that civil twilight. Yeah, what we they call were it. we were at it was at midnight. I remember that because there was a buddy from from Hawaii. Sun goes down at eleven thirty six. I think of that eleven thirty two something like that. Somebody from Hawaii with us, and we're cruising back, and we're like, dude, it's. Midnight, and he's looking around like, you got to be kidding me. No. Yeah, yeah, man. (laughs) So we were dodging otters on that trip. There were so many otters out there. Rock kill. Oops. Dude, well, they were calving, so there's a whole bunch of otters and calves all over. You You don't want to kill the little babies. They just sit there and stare at you and like kind of yell at you as you go by. So, But speaking of otters, have you heard the proposed otter season that people are saying? I have honestly have not before. There's normally at least we mention it to each other, and so we can kind of do a little research. And I have not even this heard is it. one that I, I it just hit me talking about otters. So they're actually if you talk to uh, what do they call themselves the under underwater fishermen I think is what they call it. So okay. these are the guys who are going down harvesting. Normally this is southeast area. They're okay, harvesting gooey duck. They're harvesting. Uh, Crabs uh, and all uh, the stuff. Uh, sea cucumber is another okay. big one. All those things that they're they're doing the their near shore diving. Man, otters are destroying those crops down there. Hmm. So the thing is, is uh, in the early days of Alaska when the Russians came over, they wiped out otters right. from Alaska, everywhere except I want to say the Aleutian chain. Sounds right because they did the yep. same thing in Oregon and Washington. So they, they tra- they're trapping because they're such a soft pellet. I mean, oh, they're man, beautifully they're soft. Yeah. You so know, the they fur. transplanted otters from the Aleutian chain back over into the Panhandle and around, you know, Prince William Sound, and these things just exploded. And there are so many of them now that it's affecting the, the the fishing, hmm. and the harvesting of uh, these the subsistence harvesting, not even just subsistence, but the commercial harvesting. And when you get into commercial, you know, always follow the dollars. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just- so that's so a, frustrating in some respects, but yeah. also so true. I yeah. mean, it's just, yeah, follow the commercial guys because that's what's going to get you into the, you know what I mean? Like, that's not a sort of I'm looking for. Like, it's like you could talk about, oh, the rod and reel guys want this. Then all of a sudden the commercial guys get involved and then it's it's happening now. Yeah. And you're like going, really? We've been exactly. fighting for this for 20 years. So these guys down there who are doing this fishing in Southeast are, that's their proposal is do a harvest of sea otters. Count me in. Put a bag limit on sea otters and go out and keep this number in check of sea otters. Well, and that's part of ethical hunting and fishing is to say, you know, we have a resource, but we need to either, A, get rid of them if it's an invasive species, like the pike are around here in South Central. Yep. Or do we try and manage it? Yeah. And, and that, strike a balance with nature. Because they were eradicated, they lived in the area, they were eradicated and then brought back, mm. they're on the endangered list in that area because once you go on, you rarely come off because good luck yeah exactly yeah so that's one of the push I think I think they're on the endangered list at least in that area they were they were because they were eradicated off for the state of Alaska well it's like even like wolves in the lower 48 they are you know on the endangered species list even though like wolves up here are not yeah exactly it's the location issue so yeah I mean I don't know but my thought is, is if you... I mean, I'll tell you, that'd be great, 243 material. 22. Well, from, I mean, okay. I want to make a sporting. Cruising through. I want to make a sporting. <laughs> Catch Mac Bay and 
dodging otters where you're literally looking over the side of the boat and they're staring up at you like rah, yelling at you because you're you could you could do easily with the two a twenty two just or do we uh, get out the AR and just... Man. No, they'd never uh, allow that just no, because you'd know, well, you, you be allowed like it one. Is, it is a lot. Well, yeah, they don't, they're not going to say what you can't take it with. True. So you could take one with an AR. <laughs> I love me my ARs. <laughs> I love an AR. A good AR, uh, good shooting AR is hard to beat, although. Uh, yeah. So, of course, a good shooting rifle in period is hard to beat. True. Something that will uh, drive tax is just fun. It's amazing. But, I love it. So, yeah, they, uh, I think the article I was watching, actually, when you were mentioning wolves in Lore 48 up here, they were calling them sea wolves. Well, they really are. I mean, they really are the wolves of the sea because they eat yeah. everything. And they don't really, like, they, they tend to, like, attack fish, not totally eat them. They'll mm-hmm. take a bite out of them and let them go. Yeah. And now that fish is dead. But their big thing is, is, is mollusks and mm-hmm. um, uh, urchins, all those things that there's a huge market for. Well, the other thing is that that builds the basis for other things that yeah. are, yeah, you know, like anything else. You start attacking any any one part of that that circle, that cycle. It slowly works its way out to the other parts, like the, like the bald eagles. Like you know, the bald eagles in the lower forty eight are virtually wiped out, and where that came from was the, um, not D, DDT, one of those chemicals they sprayed on all the, on all the crops. Okay. And so it was eaten by the rodents, and then the rodents were eaten by the, by the by the eagles. The problem was it made the shells weak, which were poor recruitment. So it wasn't like a you were directly attacking the eagles as it was. It was a downstream yeah, effect. Off. You know what I mean? Because they're a higher level predator. Same thing can go on when it comes to other things like fish, yeah. and because you think about all the plankton and the you know like it starts adding up. Yeah, the big one for them is well, yeah, and I guess that makes sense if you're eating all the the filter feeders and all the things that are down there helping clean, and that gets wiped out from an area. Then what else is building? Yeah, what so, else builds up in the area yeah, exactly. that causes other problems but, down the road? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm all for an otter season because <sighs> here's here's the thought: you go out on the boat, you drop your shrimp pots. No. You go cruise out for your halibut. Yeah, sure, sure. You bring in a couple of halibut. You pop an otter or two as you're just sitting out there. You can get your thing. rockfish. And then, well, obviously, then come back for your rockfish on the way back to grab your shrimp pots. And you pop off the boat with two big halibut, you know, a couple gallons of shrimp, a few rockfish, and an otter. I'm just thinking about the gloves. Middle of winter. Underwear. Ooh. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, that's it. The only problem Might is. Might be a little warm. You just yeah. sit there and. Sitting watching football in your otter skin boxer briefs. I might just have to wear those to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> the Alaska club will never be the same again. What in the holy? Oh, it's legal. It's covering all the stuff. Because I'm making like like like, like the boys' shorts. Like, a, oh. Could you try again? Speaking of Siri, Siri yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Some people's children. God bless Siri. I love the, I, I like the watch, but sometimes it, it likes to pop off like that in yeah. the wrong moment in time. Anyways. Oh jeez. We're a comic of errors today. Man. Yeah. Where was I? I was oh I was sitting I was getting a haircut of all places and uh we were talking about something oh, we we're talking about the border wall. And it was oh, when, okay, when right. that big whole topic was in and how big that thing was and I made the joke of you know you can actually buy online border wall Lego sets. There's a company out there that makes they take Legos and they build a set, and you can buy these a whole bunch of crazy weird things. And they yeah. actually made a border wall Lego set. <laughs> and we we're joking about that. I think we mentioned Trumpy Bear and all those kind of things. And immediately Siri goes off. I'm sorry, I did not get that one. Oh boy, they're listening. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Well, hey, so I've got a I've got a really bad dad joke that you can use anytime. Oh boy, I know. So speaking of like bad things, this reminds me. So my my son came up with this one. <laughs> this is awesome. It's gonna be good. I'm excited. What do you call a bear with no teeth? What a gummy bear. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, the bad oh. dad jokes. Another free service I'll provide to you, Brandon. That was fantastic. <laughs> so bad you have to laugh. <laughs> oh. That was a bad one. That was horrible. <sighs> so, yeah. So, we spent the day playing with some metal. Doing man stuff. Man stuff. Yeah. Not hunting or fishing related per se. Because we was not... Yeah, well... Technically, what we were doing is going to be used to throw at a deer decoy, so I mean. But the idea is that this is more of an old-timey kind of an approach, and you were looking for something that kind of a level playing field and throwing a spear. Yeah, for a little uh, competition. For a little competition. I mean, how many of us as guys have said we've thrown a stick? Sure, we've thrown a stick as a kid, or we've thrown yeah. a, You know, but it, I would equate axe throwing actually to more something more modern. Yeah. Because we've thrown a bat. We've... All picked up a hatchet at some point in our lives while out camping and throwing your it. pocket knife at a tree, right? Something like this. But I can't really say that I've ever really like picked up like a spear, a legit spear, a legit spear. Now some people sit here and go, "Oh wait a minute, I was in track and field and I did javelin." Well, a I was never in track and field. We played real sports, not yeah. trying to be the best at exercising. I try that to Hussein Bolt, man. <laughs> the dude is fast. I mean, straight up the twitch muscles in that guy. I mean, uh, the shot put, that's, the discus. That's, that's from a, a quote from a, a little show called Eastbound and Down, one of my oh, okay. favorites. He's a, a washed-up MLB player. Oh, well, then there the you go. He's like, I do triathlons. That's good for you. I play real sports. Don't try and be the best at exercising. <laughs> well, but I mean, but the, if you throw in javelin, that would yeah. be the, but the, but there it's for distance, not for like accuracy per se. Sure. I mean, but even the, so, how many people? Even I, that. I don't even remember if we had a javelin team at high school. There may have been somebody that did javelin at the big because I went to a lower high school there in Aloha, Oregon, and yeah. for a little bit, and there may have been one there. But at like college level, I think they throw it as one of the events and they college level, and yeah. the Olympics. You know what I mean? They have. It. I think once you get to college level track and field stuff, you're kind of looking towards the Olympics already. Well, and the other thing is too is that a lot of those guys they'll do the shot put, they'll do the whatever the throwing events, and they need something else to round it out because it's like one of those things of. If I can't get in on A, if I can get it on B, C, or yeah, D, yeah. you know what I mean? Like sure. that's a, and then of course when you're talking about, so you you're know, saying javelin is the backup school of the track and field throwing sports? It's kind of like UAA, yeah, yeah. They act like they're a big school, but they're really not. I'm no. sorry. No, I mean, it's kind of like if it, Warner Weird. Pacific. Who's ever heard of Warner Pacific unless you're from the Pacific Northwest? Yeah. Nobody. Like, they all kind of laugh. Or Pacific Lutheran. But like, they're going to think of themselves as. Oh, we're higher learning. Uh, they are, sure. but they're not. Cool. Good yeah. for you. It's like UNLV when they try to tell me about my credits when I was going back. So I went back. To, so I, full disclosure, I got my first degree at Oregon State and then went back to school doing my nursing degree. And I was at UNLV at the time. And I remember them arguing with me about the biology. And I said, you know, I have a degree in biology from a tier two school. You're a tier three school. The look on that gal's face of shock and horror that I was preached that UNLV was not like a tier one school. And I said, I'm just using nationwide statistics, which is kind of a big thing in biology. Anyways. <laughs> well, we'll have to have the dean sign off on that. Great. Is he in today? Well, yes. Good. I'll wait. <laughs> well, it might take a little because time. Because the biology from UNLV is going to be totally different than the biology from Oregon State. 
I mean. Well, it was at the time I was, so I graduated in 2002 and I was back there in 2005. So it was three years old. I mean, you know, but remember the funny part was, as I said, I have a biology degree. I'm a biologist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you're, I mean, this is your, I think it was 189 was the number they gave. It was like their basic biology course that I need yeah. them to say, check the box on. Yeah. I'm like, I think I got that guys. <laughs> Anyways, Heather had to retake it cause she was a, uh, Psych major, first time uh, here. Yeah. But well, I had to retake the psych, so there you go. Pans out. Yeah. Wow, we rabbit trailed the crap out of this one, didn't we? Yeah, my God, do we drive? Tra- I mean, it was Spears. Spears. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so we spent the day cutting and welding and beating and grinding and... Man stuff. Man stuff. And it was not... I mean, it is hunting related, but not... I think it's something that not a lot of people think about. That's... Here's just hunting really. It's outdoor man stuff. Well, it is outdoor man stuff, but you've heard about these guys that go after with a spear, go after the bears. You've... Right? So so if you haven't heard about this, the idea is, um, and I'll see if I can get a video thrown up on the, the interwebs, on the, the social media stuff, but you set up a, a bear bait station, which already there's a controversy about that. Right, at baseline, right. At baseline, people think, okay, you're throwing food out there for bears to come in so you can shoot them. That already is... When you put it like that. (laughs) But it's true. And unethical. That's their view of it. Right, sure. Right? So, and then you set the stand up. Now, there's a couple guys that have done this a couple different ways. There's the the famous dude. I think he was down in British Columbia. Mm -hmm. The first guy that did it. I want to say he was... uh, Well, the first guy recently that's done it. I'm sure this has been done multiple times before. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, it's... In, in YouTube Modern his- history. In YouTube history. <laughs> so the last five years, ten years. <laughs> so, yeah, and he uh, he baited in this bear. That was a little black bear. Mm-hmm. And he was on the ground. Which is stony enough to be on the ground with a rifle. Yeah. But then to have a bear, and then you're going to take a sharpened stick. I mean, which is essentially, I mean, it's like, you know, we talk about primitive ways to do things. So if you take it, the like the high end of it is like firearms... Like, totally, like, it's all the technology, right? Then you you can say, well, we're going to back off to compound bows. Okay. Or even, let's just say crossbows, right? Sure. So, you know, crossbow, and then you go back to, and somewhere in there comes compound bows. Mm -hmm. Then you have, like, the recurve long bows, like what you see in, like, a medieval knight kind of thing. Yeah. And then you go back even a step further than that, and you can go, I'm going to whack him with a stick. (laughs) Uh, You know, a long knife. (laughs) Either, either a long knife or a stick, and we yeah. call them a spear. Now, spears have been used for hundreds of years or thousands of years for various warfare, so they're a very effective tool of war. And yeah, not saying they're not. But um, to go after a bear in today's modern age with, I mean, with all the firearms and everything else we got technology-wise, but we're going to go after a bear with a spear. So my thought on the whole thing with the spear. Oh, so this dude, he, uh, he gets up. You see him. He has cameras placed around so he can videotape this whole thing. and uh, <laughs> Videotape he, his death. Right, which he probably was going through his mind at a certain point of this, and he chucks. He made a big old spear, and this thing is a behemoth looking spear. It makes ours look kind of small and puny. Well, it's a first attempt, right? Uh, but uh, again, we're doing different, our different things here. Yeah, and uh, man, he lets that thing go and just nails that thing, and bear goes taking it off into the woods, and got his bear, and jeez, so. But so the trail thought I had earlier on this before I got derailed and well, no, that was the derailer thought that we're going to come back to is really what it was. <laughs> so you got a rifle, you take a rifle. Okay. How long does it take you to be 
competent enough to shoot a bear at 25 feet, 30 feet, or yards, sorry, 25, 30 yards. I could have you in an afternoon. Right? How long does it take you to be competent with a spear at 15, 20 feet? That's a fine question. How long would I be comfortable with it is the question. Because my thought is... The same comfortability as the rifle. So my thing is, is I look at this and I kind of go, I'm thinking about energy. So I think about like my, like I'm a, we're we're both bigger dudes. Like we're both got broader shoulders than Uh most guys. I mean, I'm 240 at 510 and I'm not like terribly fat, but I'm I'm a little chunky. But I mean, I kind of go, do I have enough shoulder strength to really muscle that? So how much time in the gym would I need? Right. That's the first thing that I go to is I go, okay, before I even throw this thing, like, okay, I'm not saying that you don't work with like the accuracy piece, which... I look at it and I kind of go, that could be done in probably a few days to get reasonably close. Yeah, but a few days, and then what happens? Like, But the problem is reasonably close, so if you miss. Right, yeah. reasonably close on a bear. Right, yeah, it doesn't take a lot to miss. Is, is wounded enough that you're never going to find that thing. Or they're never going to find you. <laughs> right, one or the other. Uh, but So I kind of go, let's just say, well, I would say it would take six months in the gym for me to feel comfortable. And by six months in the gym, that would be six months in the gym, of like every day, like I'm doing a lifting program. I'm working, working on my shoulders. shoulders. I'm working the shoulders. I mean, and the whole arms and the whole upper body. Um, and interestingly enough, so if you talk, so kind of pause that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Football, okay. which I think falls into this. Man, we're going to talk football right after the Super Bowl on a podcast about hunting. <laughs> wow. Yes. <clears throat> Man stuff. Yep. Anyways, uh, so... When you talk to guys like Brett Favre, you listen to him on the radios, you listen to him on those talk shows, right? Okay. And, uh, and I've listened to several of them. Uh, they all talk about, hey, I could spin that ball 40 yards, no problem, 50 yeah. yards. They just spin it, okay? The problem they all say is not the arm strength that necessarily gives them out, as it is the hip strength. Because you're popping those hips. And i got to wonder, right. like with that spear, is it also might be also like a total body thing, like your, your, your legs have to be and your hips have to be like in total yeah. Yeah, and so sure. I kind of go. It would take some working out, and then while you're working out, you're doing the the throwing of the spear and getting it. Sure. It's, I see you've just pulled it up. Uh, from yeah, here. I'm actually looking because I want to say this: the the dude who did this was a professional athlete. Which again, it speaks to how in shape he is that he can spin there, you know, throw that that stick with a sharpened tool on the end, right? And impart enough energy to kill the bear. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this article is actually going to do what we need. But I mean, he—I mean, looking at him from here, he looks like a thinner guy. You know what I mean? Like he's not—he's not out of shape. Yeah, I mean, no, he's absolutely. In, he's in good shape. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, so I just kind of go, how much does it take? In terms, so when you say how much does it take, I say it's going to take me six months to a year of solid work to get to where I'm physically ready to do it. Sure. And I think I also think that. Uh, and with that comes practice. So now you're practicing yeah, alongside. Yeah, you got at least a month of practicing where you're throwing that spear a couple times a day, just like. Well, I mean, practice. I mean, like I could throw a spear in my backyard and just sit there and practice over and over and over again, mm-hmm. right? The advantage to a spear is nobody's going to say anything if you've got a small backyard in the middle of town. Oh, the neighbor throws spears, but okay, like what a whack job, right? Yeah. Versus, I can't go out and practice with my compound bow. True. Like I could not do it in my backyard, and I have a I have a half an acre I live on. Oh, I do it. <laughs> Well, my problem is that that arrow sails for whatever reason, and now you're three yards over. You know, well, I'd have I'd do it off your porch, shooting down into the dirt. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. yeah anyway, I, no, yeah. Nonetheless, but, but nonetheless, but my point is that most guys, you know what I mean? Like, it's something you could do in your backyard, but you would have to be spending a lot of time at the gym, working out, getting in shape, 
And then you have to be able to hit this dumb thing and be brave enough to throw it. Yep. And not reach for the sidearm on your hip. Yeah. Which is, I mean, sketchy at best with the sidearm. You know what I mean? Not that it's super sketchy, but again, I still go back to shotguns and rifles, slugs in my shotgun. But yeah, yeah you know what I'm saying? Like about I, that foreign I, podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I go back to I want I want lots of lead downrange to be able to put the animal right. You know, but I've also heard of guys sitting up in tree stands. So they get their tree stands fairly close to their bait. Gonna and, say that's the other one that's out there, which and I, probably throw up there. As I say, and that to me strikes me as a little bit more. I don't want to say sporting, but it's a little more my style. Reason being is that you can impart the energy, plus you have gravity working for you. Sure. And if you do hit it, you have a chance of hitting the spine. Well, and for me, if you're above it where you can drop that thing down on the bear. And you, and you can do a heavier for me, spear. It's a, more of an, the whole thing about baiting for me is being able to take an ethical, clean, quick kill shot right. on a bear. Right, and you could do that with a spear, especially if it's down and you get a heavier spear, right? So I don't have to impart as much force on my shoulder, per se, as yep. gravity is also going to help me take over. Exactly. And that's what I've seen where these guys set up a stand right next to. Basically, the barrel is right underneath their stand. And he just stands up and drops this thing down, and uh, coming through the back, through the lungs, into the heart. and The animal, I mean, just like an arrow, the animal like takes an off arrow. takes off and expires, weighs away, however far, you know, yeah. 1,500 yards. It's going to be the same with a bullet. Uh, depending upon where you hit them, but more than likely, yeah, they're yeah. gonna, you know, they're not instantaneous. Nine they're times. gonna r- run off into the woods. I mean, I don't, I've, I can't remember seeing a video, and I'm sure they're out there, and well, I'm sure you could, you know, people will probably say, oh, I've done it, but I can't remember seeing any video of somebody shooting a bear and the bear dropping dead in their tracks. I I've, have. I've seen them go, you know, t- ten feet into the woods, but I've never seen them. They're just like. Thump. I have, but every time they've been spine shot. Okay. But but then again, you spine shoot something, and now you've blown out its ability to walk and move. Yeah. It's a completely different conversation than I hit a heart, chest, chest, lung, heart, you know, kind of yeah. shot. And in that kind of situation, I totally agree with you. I've not seen, like, they've always moved off. And when you think about it, even with the Colombian blacktail back home, which yeah. is what we had, uh-huh. you, you'd hit those things with a 300 wind mag, which is way overkill, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we'd impart a lot of energy onto that animal. And a lot of them would still stutter and, you know take a few steps you know what I mean yeah. like yeah, yeah uh, the best case um, best we- best weapon although I have so far seen for a blacktail weapon in the brush of Oregon mm-hmm. AR-15 with a 6.8 yeah I do it my brother did it oh I guess uh, hunt caribou with him yeah so but, so, anyways, but the spear guy the spear guy he actually was a collegiate athlete okay so he's Ohio. a gym rat at baseline well, guess what his specialty was javelin javelin <laughs> Why are we just talking about that? Hmm, right? Interesting. Yeah. So, and no, we did yeah, not. We, we didn't look a, that up earlier. Brandon's looking that up as we go here. Yeah, I'm looking through this right now. It looks like he was, uh, or is, I don't know where he's at. He actually was trying to become a, he lost a, a sponsorship through this deal, um, this whole thing. because it, So he, he filmed it. Everyone got all ticked off about him and how he's a horrible person and all this stuff, which I'm going to say I don't agree with. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's with it. So my, my first question is, is, yeah. is it, is it, did, did he kill the animal cleanly? Yeah. Was he competent? Yes. Because yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Rifles make you to where you're not as competent mm-hmm. with your weapon, if that makes sense. So for example, so he was a javelin thrower, college athlete. So he's in incredible shape. Yep. Now, whether or not he's still a college athlete, he probably still is a little bit of a gym rat. Usually guys that are, you know, play college athletics are usually yeah. 
gym rats at some level. But he threw these things for a long time. He knew what he was doing. He knew his way around something, a pointy stick. Yep. So it's not like he's walking out there blind. Yeah. And I'm sure he practiced before he went out with this javelin. He knew what it took. Yeah. And so I'd say he's a competent man that took it with a, you know, with a competent way of doing it. Absolutely. Um, he had actually had a scholarship, or not a scholarship, but a sponsorship, a sponsorship with Under Armour. And Under Armour dropped him hmm. because of all this. Hmm. So, yeah. I can understand. So within this, there's two ways to look at this. Number one is, is he okay with doing it? Absolutely. Is, is it within Under Armour's rights to say we're not going to sponsor this because of the way it looks? Got to say absolutely. You have it's to say absolutely. Deal. It's their deal. Yep. However, my thing is, is that if they dropped him and they didn't fulfill the contract, my yeah. question is, what does that contract really look like? Are you for allowed sure. to do bear baiting, for example? You know what I mean? Like, if somebody sponsored me, I'd be like, okay, what am I allowed to do and not allowed to do by signing this contract? Yeah. Because if going hunting, Nolan voids it, I don't know that I can sign that contract because I'm going hunting. Yeah. Especially in Alaska. That's true. So, yeah, we built these spears. Built these spears. Yeah. It's interesting thing is that you have to do some when you want to try and build like a old timey like we're more of a roman kind of a feel esque yeah, yeah you know the seed oil yeah real basic leather and just kind of yeah, just so making this but it took us to a little leather shop here in town yep. which of course when you say you're going to go to the big boy store afterwards it sounds uh, really bad yeah, right <laughs> lows <laughs> <laughs> uh you know it was uh but it was just nice just this hometown feel you know what i mean very nice people yeah, it was tandy leather. Yeah, they were very nice. The guy, I think yeah. his name was Matthew. The other customers mentioned, I think they know him. Maybe. But he was a very nice guy. He's like, what can we help you with? And we're yeah. like, where's looking? He's like, all right, well, I'll let you look. And then we found what we needed. And he's like, no problem, dude. It was super cheap. I mean, for what we needed. Like anything else, you can go stupid. Yeah. But yeah, the, they were they were real helpful. Like, I've, I've yeah. never been in there. I've gone in there a couple times for stuff. And they've always been just... What, they had this, for? what kind of project are you doing? Yeah, they, 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 they what we needed. And, but the nice yeah. thing was we did find some beeswax at Lowe's of all places to, for that. For the, it was that orange. Orange and beeswax. Orange, orange, peel, and be, and, orange peel and beeswax. Orange oil and orange, beeswax. Yeah, and the nice thing about that is that would be something very traditional that you would put on something like that. Seal that up real, that, that handle up real nice. Yeah, I was able to buy the rest of the project pieces that I needed for the project that I'm working on, which mm-hmm. is the boat. So I got to put the new yeah. transom in that. Yep. So we talk about stuff we're doing, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, spears because that could easily, because we got to get the boat. Now, here's one for you. So we put the bear stand out with the boat, right? Because we can get to different areas. True. Now let's just say, because we're in, Al- in Alaska, you are allowed to spear an animal, I believe. There's not restricted. I'm it's, pretty sure you can. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's not, it doesn't say you can't. But it doesn't say you can't. I know the only thing you can bow fish for in Alaska is pike. Right, but only if it's... I think that going up to one of those creeks with about 500 pinks in it and bow fish in a pink. (laughs) God, that'd be fun. (laughs) Or try try and pick the chum out while it's swimming up with the pinks. There you go. But, like, um, I I think about, like, is it legal up here? Like, I don't think it's, it's not expressly stated. That you can, but it's not said you can't either. It's one of those gray areas where yeah. I just think it's one of those things of not a lot of guys do it, so they don't even bother mentioning it. So according to forums, the Alaska forums are saying spear hunting is legal in Alaska, and I'm pretty sure it's, it's one of those things. That... Laws are restrictions on your rights. Yeah. So for example, I'm gonna use a real cheesy one. You you know it's it's against a lot of murder, right? So they're restricting your right. Like I can't just go kill somebody. Okay. 
So, I mean, if there is no laws, then you're not restricted yeah. at all. So because the so, way a lot of the state of Alaska fishing game regs go is cannot take with certain things. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a rule. It's rules of prohibition. Yeah. So if it's not expressly prohibited, then it's allowed kind of yes. an approach. Yep. So, and having said that, I do believe that they are legal. Do I necessarily want to go after a bear with one? Not right now. No. Maybe I, someday. Maybe. I got to have my kids grown for that one. Yeah, right. Well, my kids got to be grown, number one. And then number two, my buddy's got to be on the other stand. With a bloody big rifle. <laughs> With a bloody big <laughs> we'll rifle. I'll take my three thirty eight sitting out there in one side. Or, or, or get a fifty cal and just... No. AR-10, three oh eight, good bullets, oh, and lay down cover fire. If we're going to do this, go big or go home. A spear and a fifty cal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. You're thinking about this all wrong. Yeah, Barrett, semi-automatic. I mean, for I mean, if we got money, is no object. Um, or you just know people, which we do. Yeah, have you tried to get anything out of the armory lately? Oh, I know people outside the armory who have it. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, to tell. Without to name names, I have a buddy who has a, a Barrett. It's not the semi-auto; it's the bolt action. But let's face it: if you're throwing a bear at fifty cal round at a bear, seven hundred fifty grains of lead probably don't need more than one. I sure hope not. <laughs> Either that, or you're a bad a shot. shot. <laughs> uh, that got at a two and a half dollars a round, right? Kaboomba! Of course, you know you deafen everything for a mile in, in the radius, practically. True. Gotta be fun. I uh. I knew a couple guys who they bought a Barrett. I don't remember how they got it. It was one of those, like, a buddy of mine owes me money, and instead of giving me the money, he gave me the gun, and one of those kind of deals, right? No, one of those kind of backyard, yeah. Yeah, and their whole goal was to climb up on top of a you know a hill, and Alaska, a hill is... Anything under 5,000 feet. Yeah, and shoot a moose at over a mile away. A mile, you know, a mile-ish away. Hmm. Kill their moose at a mile away. Now these two dudes were kind of our size, shape. Not 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 great shape. One of them was a little older. <laughs> they worked in a very sedentary type of place. You know? hmm. And uh, my first thought was, so you're gonna hike. How much does a bear weigh? How the much bear. does the ammo weigh? How no. much does your spotting scope weigh? Cause you hmm. need that. Well, that's going to be a big spotting scope too. It's not like your little sixty power that we yeah. got. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. going to be a spotting scope. Yeah. So, and so you got that. Now you're going to carry all that to the top of the mountain. So most of the time you're not going to get to a place you can get to a quad with. Maybe. But a place where you can see a moose at a mile away, you're probably going to have to hike. Now, second of all, where's a moose going to be standing where you can see him from a mile away? Mm. In the middle of a big swamp or in a lake or something nasty. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Those are my, my points to that. I don't know if they ever actually did it, but... I just like to shoot a moose with a Barrett just to throw the 50 cows. See what freaking happens. And... So 50 cows, side note, my grandfather talked about after the war was over, World War II, when they were over there in Germany. Yeah. A bunch of GIs sitting around. They would actually sit there with a the 50 cal and guess how many shots it would take to log a tree. And the goal was to take as minimum number of rounds to log the tree as possible. <laughs> He said, they, he says, depending on the size of the tree, you know, they, some of these trees are, you know, eight, ten inches round. He says, yeah. about an eight inch you can usually get with three rounds <laughs> if you time them just right. I'm like going, I remember as a kid, I mean, I was probably 
14 years old going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> the Army's got nothing better to do. Hmm, this may so not be a bad deal. <laughs> we, we may have done similar things with shotguns and 22s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We went out to, well, so there's a, a gravel pit, which is now a, a state police rifle range. It used to be a big old gravel pit. So we'd go out there because it's right next to the rifle range. So nobody knows if you're actually, you know, there's not like, hey, there's weird noises. You know, someone's shooting over in this, you know, abandoned lot because it's right next to the range. Nobody's going to care. So we'd go out there and shoot stuff up. and uh, Do what boys do. Do what boys do. And we'd see how many 22 rounds it would take, take to cut a, down a, I don't know. Oh, three, four-inch tree. Three, four-inch tree. It's a few. Yeah, 20-round banana clips and load four or five of those up and... <laughs> My favorite was we went out there one day, one one time in the winter, with uh, I had just got my my shotgun, a little moss. It was a Winchester thirteen hundred Defender, like you know, just typical standard. Bear, it was a bear gun, you know. Yeah. So we went out there with buckshot and slugs and just shot everything off right at like ground level, right just, at the snow just, level, right at the snow, just blasted everything, just <laughs> all these little trees that are you know just little willows and stuff that are you know an inch thick and just just ah it's fun and blow these things up. Came out in the summer and. We're all kind of stumped at why all the trees were cut off at about three feet high. Like, what the crap went on? Oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I remember now. Boys will be boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good Nothing time. much changes, just the price of our toys. It's true. A certain true. level. Yeah. Yeah, and we have to drive a little bit farther to find places to do that. Now, yeah, because yeah. of prior incidences <laughs> well that and they built a, well, a whole bunch of houses around it now. houses around stuff and yeah, yeah so. or in this case it's now a trooper place and you know the troopers really get up tight that's if you, kind of the big one right now <laughs> yeah i mean if you go shoot up the troopers uh even if it's on there even if, if you're on the range you go shoot up their range like you know even if you're target shooting like you're supposed to they probably they, say something they get a little uptight about that yeah don't know that i'd blame them because uh, it is their range yeah just so. saying anyway yeah so the boat we got all these projects going on. The boat. God, man, we got we got projects and projects. Part of it is it's winter time. True, and it's, there's it's project season. It is. It's that time when you want to spend the time in the garage. And so, for those of you who are in the lower forty-eight, you may not realize this, but there is such a thing as heated garages. There's something called not a heated garage. I know. Very weird to you. Yeah. So, I never had a heated garage ever. Nobody has them. Like, were they attached to your house? Yeah, they were. Okay. But they, but like for example, when I came up here from Camas, my garage wasn't heated. Just you didn't heat the garage. You didn't have any need to. You just gotta understand because the 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 house has a certain thermal value, yeah, right? Just kind of yeah, and I mean, and, and, and here's the other thing: Were they insulated? Yeah, sometimes. So, like for example, when I grew up in Aloha, our it was nothing more than it was framed up T111, and that was it. And so, like, the rafters were exposed, and the... Well, I can see exposed rafters, but... Well, and the walls were exposed. Insulation. There's no insulation on that thing. Huh. But you got to understand, it's 35, so a sweatshirt at 35, even though it's wet, yeah. like that damp cold, you still be out there at 35. Yeah. Like us at 15, you know, it's it's very similar, you know what I mean? And so, we just didn't heat the garage. Like, it's just something you didn't do. Where In Wyoming, where we put all the cars and trucks, it wasn't... I mean, the shop was heated. There was a part of the shop that was uh, like a heated parking area, but the vast majority of vehicles stayed outside or stayed in these little Quonset hunts that were unheated. It's different. It's just different. Yeah. So, but anyways, I have a heated garage, which is so nice because <laughs> even though it is 15 below outside or 
Like today, it's 15 above. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing. It's amazing how much warm, how warm 15 above feels after you've been when 15 you've been, below for a while. Below for a while, yeah. But you know, you could sit out there in the garage and do some work, and it's just a good time to relax and think about as you're sitting there and you're putting your like I'm putting we're gonna be putting the transom together for the for the zodiac. I don't know what we want to call it. It's really not a zodiac. That's a brand name, but that's the kind of boat inflatable. it is. Inflatable, and it's an yeah. inflatable. You know, but it's that it's got that wood transom on the back that I need to rebuild, and so. Yep. Doing that now because I know the guarantee come April fifteenth and We're breakup happens. Do it. Well, I wouldn't mind doing it, but I'm gonna be. We're gonna pissed. want to be using it. I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah, because because you want to be on the water with it. Exactly. I already have enough problems around the house that I'm gonna have to do during the summer that I can't do during the winter. So like this year, I have to go get a man lift, and I have to go do my two and a half story gutter over here on the backside of the house, because quite frankly, there's no good way to get at it without a lift. Uh, you could get up there with a the ladder, but it's yeah, sketchy. Sketchy. Plus, I got to down the tree over here because of the, the the beetle kill. Yep. So I got some work to do there. That so it's like fun. I already got some summer projects that the wife is going to make me do. So, you know, I'm trying to do all those indoor winter things. You know what I mean? Like, yep. so rebuild the transom on the boat, and I'm gonna. My plan is to use three, you know, three, two pieces of three quarter ply, and then paint it, and then just really get it good and sealed, and do it right, so that come the 15th of April or the first of may we can just fire up and go. and go yeah yeah now like tuning up the little motor i'm gonna wait till gets the, a little warmer a little warmer and the you know pipes won't freeze things like that yeah you know hose and things like that because you kind of need water we don't want to make a big ice slick in my front yard minor minor, minor details right yeah. but i mean this is that time of year where we start thinking about that and with that comes what else do you do for your gear i mean like we're making spears today but what tying flies hand loading yeah. you know what I mean yep. there's a lot of things we could be doing now to set ourselves up now some of the stuff we can't do because we are as we record this we are waiting ever so patiently for the great state of Alaska to tell <laughs> us about our fantabulous Alaskan lotto aka uh, the, the the hunting draw odds draw tags which I know I, I failed on miserably uh, I just assume and when I get it it's just the overwhelming shock of I drew something well, no, you you know, the last time I drew something in the lower 48, you know what I said? Is this right? Can you read this to me? Tell me that this... There's another Brandon Matlock in the state. <laughs> well, Albers Hart, there's not very many of us, but still. Am I reading that line right? Is yeah. that line item right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's been a, it's been a while since I've driven, drawn a tag, but uh, well, anyway. we're both due. Yeah. Sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> I will I will crap my pants if we both draw. Well, if we both draw Especially the same tag. it's a party tag, yeah. which means you, Heather, me, and Lindsay would all draw it. Well, plus my parents. Yeah. <laughs> and on those, any bull tags, we can proxy the snot out of that stuff. Uh, yeah. So, that anyway. Might a, that'd be a lot of hunting. But anyways, force myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, projects in the garage. I mean, it's a good time of year to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, so we have, we've got the boat. That's, that's a good little... Uh, I'm a little... So it's 10 foot... I think technically it's eleven and a half. Eleven and a half. So yeah. it's almost twelve. Uh, no, it's it's really more like eleven and change. Like it's a shade so over it's, eleven. Okay, it's eleven. So it's so not like eleven and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like one of those things where they go. I'll be Ooh. curious to see what it is inflated once we get it all up, get the air in it, see what it actually is. Well, I've seen it inflated. Oh, okay. Because when I picked it up on base, yeah, which was a comic of errors. Because I mean, we're I mean the room we're sitting in here, our little. Podcast podcast cave, whatever you want to call it, the man cave, the man cave. I'm not gonna call it the bat cave. It's not gonna happen. 
uh, we were joking with my wife prior to this, and I said, oh, it's the bat cave. And Brandon's like, no, 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 no. 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 You wear your underwear on the outside? No, no, yeah. no. And neither one of us do, so. No. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's if you inflated that, it's everything this room plus maybe a little bit. Mm, it's probably a foot or two longer, and it's yeah. it's fairly wide. It's probably five feet wide all sudden done. Which it, it has the little with. It has the little seats that you can sit up out of yeah. the bottom. Yep. Little wood seats that came with it. It has the solid floorboards in it, so which is very nice. The so aluminum, it has the little the aluminum bottom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I, I'm. I was a little because we talked about possibly jetting across as who's sitting with that. Yeah. So it's interestingly enough, I did some more research on that because I got a five horse motor that came with it. Yeah. Just the way it worked out. Yep. And I think it'll be okay for getting up and down where we're real controlled, but I'll be curious to see how well it really does. It may not. I mean, because I think it's supposed to hold a handle twenty five horse motor. Yeah. It's a lot of motor. We can put a little bit bigger something on there. Yeah, if we find one, you yeah. know. But a five horse. I mean, this is a five horse Honda, which is very nice. Oh, I yeah. suspicion it'll do really well on the lakes. It probably do okay on the rivers. I don't know across the Sioux, depending on the water flow. Exactly. That's one of the big ones. Is where on the Sioux? What part of the what part of the Sioux are you on? If you're up all the way up by the bridge that goes right right after Talkeetna, mm. right before Talkeetna. No. It's before. No, it's after. So after the cutoff, it's before Petersville. It's before definitely the, before Petersville. It's before the Talkeetna cutoff. No, it's not, because you're on that. You're on the uh, north side of the river when you come into Talkeetna. I'm gonna have to school the yeah. Oh, really? You're gonna school me on this? He's he's now checking the phone, and I have a strong feeling he's gonna put his phone down here and not say a dang thing more. <laughs> oh no no. Brandon's right. Because you are on the other side of the river. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You know, he's absolutely right. So it's it's when you come up and over, it's just after that. And yep. for some reason, I was thinking that when you went up the cutoff, you were on the other side of the river. No, so you're no, not. no, you're on the yeah. you're on the south side. Yeah. So it's when you when you cross over, right. but right there at that part of the river, I think you could probably do it okay. Yeah, I think it's also part of it too. Is is how fast do you want to do things? So for example, if you have a five horse motor and you're motoring upstream, right? And you're just motoring, and say you're going at a three mile an hour clip, right? It's not the world's fastest, but you're doing it. Yeah. Versus a 25 horse, it'll get you up there right now, and you probably yeah. go, you probably be on plane. For me, it's more of getting across. Not okay. We want to go cruise way up, but if we can find a spot where we're, we're just going to purely cross the river. Right. Exactly. So, and I think that's uh, the the Connect River. I think would be a good test for us. Like, let's sure. just go do some test hits there. Yep. You know, it's, this is the kind of outfit where you wear your life vest. You know, you don't mess around. Oh, absolutely. You know, and the other thing I think, too, that comes into this as well is with a five-horse motor, it might be, again, it might be a little undergunned. Yeah. But. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But there's a lot of other options with that boat, man. It just opens everything up. Well, but like, for example, let's just say we want to do things like duck hunting. Oh, man. Dude. Duck Lake. No problem. We're going to hit Duck Lake up. We're going to be probably do the portage across uh, across gyms and get back into Swan. Yeah. I mean, there's so much we can do now. Right. And there's other things that come into it as well. Like, say, for example, you want to take the kids out and just buzz around and have a good oh, time. Man. Go out to Finger and Finger Lake and cruise around. Or and memory. Memory Lake. And... I mean, it's a nice shallow lake. You know, I think it's going to draft about three inches. Yeah. The bigger draft is going to be the motor itself than the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's not big enough, we can look into getting a bigger motor for it eventually. Um, if we come across a deal. That's, yeah. that's kind of more the thing I'm going to be looking oh, for. Oh, absolutely. I mean, buying a new motor is going to be out of the question, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could afford new motors. Well, sadly, like the Alaska 
Facebook marketplace, all that kind of stuff. I mean, even some of that stuff is like ridiculous. What, what people want for their stuff up here. Ugh. But I think about so, it. So here's one for you. So like an eight horse kicker, right? Powered my buddy's 21 foot. Um, God, the hell name was that about? It was not a Luma craft. It was a pilot house. Okay. It used to be a sheriff's boat. So it was like a heavy hold. Got it. Quarter inch aluminum, 21 foot. You know, the whole Alaskan bulkhead, the whole banana. Yeah. And we were able to back that thing up uh, off the... Cause we would, so what you did is you went the you went up to the uh, to the to where the logs were all at outside of uh, Woodland. And right. so you go up there and there's like a log and they have it all set up so that you can just... Guys have put little tie-offs on there. So you go up there and you tie off to it. And then like you'd fish in a line for shad. And... Oh. So when we went out there, I mean, we were, I mean, yeah, we pulled up in the big 150 on the back or 200 horse, but like when we were adjusting, we just had it on the eight horse kicker. Yeah. So, I mean, you think about it, that's a big boat for eight horse to kick around. And it was sure. doing a decent, like it was keeping up. It was doing what it needed to do. Like we were moving with the current, like we were yeah. adjusting the boat. And, and that's where I'm real curious about where we put in on the Sioux, what that motor is actually going to do, all that kind of stuff. So, but again, man, it's, we're in that holding phase of. It's the it's the idea phase of ooh ooh yeah ooh, you know. Speaking of ideas, bear stands, bear stands. That's one we've been throwing around for a while. Yes, we have, and I think that's uh, worthy of. We need to sit down and actually figure out what we really want to do with that. Because so, the problem that you run into with a bear stand, when you say a bear stand, I'm thinking there's different ways to approach your problem. There's the Chevrolet and the lifted. Scissor lift like you see online from the south. <laughs> or the bus sitting up on totem poles. Uh, oh, man. That would be great, but we just I, can't get that. I have a couple of those trailers we could put up there if we can get them to the area. That's the problem is getting stuff out there. And I think that's really yeah. in lines what our problem is, is how do we get our stuff out there. And sure. I think this first year, if we just put up our regular stands, get our really get established, and then we need to start thinking about like designing right now. Mm-hmm. Because I think about a bare stand, and I kind of go, I want something the kids can sit on, yeah, and shuffle their feet a little bit. Yep. You know what I mean? Like get up and stretch, Move like around you, a little bit instead of stuck in this the traditional stand, right? Exactly. Like, even mine is uh, so it's a technically two person stand. It's got it's a big it's boy. A, st- it's, it's a, a seat a, and a half. It's a big boy stand. I got That's one. Why I bought it because I want to be able to put my pack next to me and not be like, well, I'm crap. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sitting but in like a tree I've got with a so I've got piece of, I got like a. Well, they call it the big boy stand, right? It's like so one that's a big boy stand, which is what I would call a comfortable stand. Okay. Like one average American goes, that's comfortable. Now, if you're some little rail dude, the little one I got, and I can fit in it, and I can sit there, but it gets a little tight up there. Yeah. And I kind of go, if I want to bring my kids out, I want to have them next to me. You know what I mean? Just because they are young enough. I mean, they're only six and nine. And that's why. I or seven and nine. Got the one I got. Right. Is because I can come up there. I can have Ella next to me. Probably even get Lynn's up there next to me and be okay. We yeah, can. I mean, you could in your stance big enough. Yeah. So, and that was the thought is I want to be able to have space next to me that I'm not, I mean, if I'm sitting out there for, you know, a good chunk of time, I don't want to be. But a platform to me is where it's at because sometimes there can be times when you so want to yeah. want to take a little stretch and nap and. That's one thing that I really like the idea of is the napping. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Hold on. I'm, us, us, nap? Nah. Okay, napping probably wasn't the right word. <laughs> Two middle-aged guys with kids napping. <laughs> nah. Okay, uh, 
I would like to be able to go out there at but solstice at overnight on the stand and be able to like, okay. I'm gonna there's a few hours where it's not like, especially if you're away from the solstice by three four weeks. You know, yeah. there's really some areas in there where the shooting out light is not the best, and so maybe it's a little overcast. So you say, I just want to take a couple, a little bit of a nap, and then I wake up and wait for more bears in the let's, in the but, morning. But yeah, exactly. Let's say we've been seeing on our camera, we're seeing bears hitting it at you know five a.m. five a.m. I really don't want to overnight drive out, hike out, or I can just go out there and over, you know, and I just overnight it right at the stand. Overnight at the stand instead of be trying to travel in the dark and all that kind of stuff. Traveling know? in the dark never works in Alaska. It's like doing things in the middle of winter in Alaska. It's, just, it's, it's always going to have problems. Yep. It's fraught so, with problems. Yeah. So I think about things and I just kind of go like, and then the thing is, is once I'm thinking about things that are like two, three, three, three feet wide that we can bolt together on scene. Like a platform. Okay. So, so like something that if we had to like trailer it out, we could. Sure. Or slide it behind a sled in the middle of winter. Okay. So like you slide it out, cash it, and then we put it up that spring. Yeah. Or that, you know, whenever we get back out there kind of thing. For sure. Because that to me is where it's at. Because then you can totally, you know, you don't have to worry about like the weight per se. And you're not worried about like. So we have. Is it wider than my? You know, because if you have a four by eight, so say you have a four by eight sheet of plywood that you're thinking about. I mean, that's ungainly to try and get in and out of the back of my truck. True. Versus if I had that thing cut down to like two foot strips, right? So let's say there's two by eights, right? So let's just say, I, or let's say I cut it down into, you know, two, you know, two foot, eight foot wide strips or two six foot strips, right? Yeah. I could take that out there with a series of and have that set up to where it's like a little mini, like it's all structurally ready to go, right? Okay. And have some holes pre-drilled in it and then put some, like, say, half a dozen three-eighths bolts through it. Or maybe half inches better. But you get my point. Sure. And then you have a little ladder that you pop up. And the idea is that I can bolt them together and then kind of erect it on scene. And it wouldn't take a lot of work on scene. Just enough to where you kind of go, okay, does that kind of make sense what I'm getting at? I, I get what you're getting at. I think that... <sighs> And maybe not half inch. I mean, I mean they have to. No, no, I, yeah, bolts. that that's kind of a, a whatever. But I, I'm almost thinking that this is going to end up being a maybe we spend it overnight out there putting this up and together. Oh, I'm fine with that piece. But as far as getting it out there, you have to think about because if for whatever reason we have to move the stand, right? So, so I think about it in terms of a couple of things. Number one, getting it out there. Sure. With the equipment I have, because just because I can get a sled to get it out there, yeah. that might be really convenient today. But what happens if I need to move it in three weeks? Obviously, we're not going to be moving it in three weeks. But let's just say a few years. Okay. And I can't get a hold of a sled again for whatever reason. I want to be able to have the ability to at least try and muscle this thing out of there. So I my thought is is we put together a build package. Okay. Not prefabbed. So work in construction. You would, right. You would order your material. So you so, okay. like, like a big materials list, and you take it out there. It's a big. And then, and it just you basically would sandwich this together between your plywood, right? And strap that sucker down. You can go to, and oh, those whatever Home the Depot, place is just, SPS you just buy do. normal straps too, just right. ratchet straps. You just strap this thing together so everything is inside these pieces of plywood. Okay. That can be pulled. That can be whatever. Right. And that those that plywood could be you know even if you wanted it three feet whatever right with four foot wide four foot might be a little much like you're saying but i mean well, if it's i'm thinking like, like two foot wide strips but if you had it pre-done because i'm thinking about also i'm also thinking about value of time okay so when i think so the other thing to think about this okay because we talk about projects right okay middle of summer 
Okay, we both admit that between essentially April 15 and October 15, like that is jam packed. Uh-huh. I want to spend as much time in the woods, camping. Wives are giving us you know grief. They want to do things. Kids want to do things. Yeah. There's a lot of pulls on that time during that six months. Sure. And I just kind of say right now, I mean, it's February, and my wife, other than Valentine's Day, really doesn't give a crap what I do as long as I stay out of her hair and stay out of her house and don't make a mess. Right. Emphasis well, on don't make a mess. I guess I'm looking at this whole thing as a builder side of it. Somebody who has done rough framing. I mean, that's sure. I did that for quite a few years. Right. If you have a package of okay, this board goes here, this board goes here, this board goes here. You screw these together. You take your screw gun out there, a box of screws, and a couple brackets. Yeah. See, I, th- I think we're thinking about the same thing, but I'm thinking doing a little bit of the prefab here. So, for yeah. example, what I'm saying is, is, so you cut it down to say two feet wide, right? So and I'm what, saying, what, what I'm thinking here is, is if you're going to prefab that, now you have to put two of those two by four or two by sixes or whatever two by fours together. That's going to increase your weight. It does increase your weight that so you're moving to out get there. Get it to where you're going. It is going to be more weight. It and does. When you're dealing with going through muskag and nasty and all this stuff, the lighter we can get this, the better it is to get out there. Right. I understand what you're saying, but my thought is, is that is that when it comes to moving, like it. When it comes to an assembly, so there's there's two advantages to be a little bit heavier, okay? Okay. In this case, is number one is there's probably going to be more trips. There's probably going to be more trips. Than, that's the other thing we have to think about is how many trips do we think we're going to go out there with, okay? Sure. So I don't care whether it's your method or my method. Okay. If we're talking the difference of one trip and we're doing seven trips, probably not as diff- that much more or less valuable than if we're talking one versus four. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's it's if it's only one extra trip, is it worth it to have it more prefabbed versus if we're talking... Three or four extra trips. You see where I'm going with that? No, I, I understand where you're going with and that. And then the other thing we have to think about, too, is that but, if we go out there and we have to fab this thing up in the woods, okay, so we're assuming that nothing jostles out, nothing bounces out, nothing, uh, hammer drills don't wear out, the batteries don't go sure, bad, all sure. that stuff. Yeah. How much is that worth? Versus we go out there and literally, my thought is, is if we had the brackets, the metal brackets, four by fours, and these little things that you literally just take some end wrenches, which I carry with me all the time on my ATV. You have, I have that little stack yeah, of tools. Yeah. And so we can make that work out there to where we can literally bolt this thing together and we do it all in the middle of January. And so literally we go out there, we spend still spend a day because we're going to spend a day. Yeah. And the idea being is that I could probably fit that down on two feet wide. It is going to be a little bit heavier, particularly I don't think it matters if we can find a sled. I know a guy that has a sled. So I think that won't be an issue. My thing is, is that it might just take more trips to pull it out if. Yeah. Well, and that goes, and I see this as, okay, if we can get this to where we pull it all in one trip, it's packaged nice and neat. Mm-hmm. It's a little wider because let's face it, if you're going to do two, two foot fabs, you're going to have to have more of them, which means it's going to be taller or you have to do two trips. Well, so here's the thing. So you're, when I say two foot fabs, right? So if, if it's all ready to go, it will be taller. I will. I'll bet you you probably have to do two trips. I won't yep. deny that. Yep. But my question is, is that if so? My thought is, is what's going to be easier to take apart? I of course, I guess the question is, or do we just burn it on scene if we had to, if we really had to move it? No, well, an issue. What, what it, the reason we'd have to move it is what? So here's my thoughts on moving. So there's a few different reasons for moving. Okay. Number one, people move into our area for whatever reason. Other bear hunters and just sure. kind of generally we just time to move. Okay. Yep. To the area, just for whatever reason, doesn't work out. Time to move. Whether it be the the bears decrease in population, sure. Or three, the state comes in and sells the land. 
around you sure. or close enough well, to where. Fortunately, I think where we're going to be, the state is. I don't think they're planning on anything. That's not going to get sold. I don't think. It, but the question is, is do we think there's going to be other folks around there or if it's just not very good bear area and we want to move? I, I think that. Now the now the thing is is if we get it out there and we don't like it and the worst thing we can do is we can always burn it I suppose just make a big old bonfire and burn the wood sure or just take the metal out and leave it in a pile yeah it's wood I, it is wood and it will decay I just like something about not leaving as much of a trace behind as a personal thing sure but just personally you know I, I I guess maybe this summer I was thinking a big bonfire you're not may not be able to do that. True. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like this, so, summer. because like, a lot of this stuff is going to be treated, and so it's going to last an incredible long time. Look yeah, at true. the look at the backyard with my play structure yeah, that we no, have here at the yeah, house. Yeah, I get you. It's they last Very long. True. Very true. So you probably want to try and think about burning or moving I, it up. I don't see us having as much issue with moving as. True. I don't think it's a huge issue. If we're going to go to that extent, you're going back a ways. Well, and the other thing is too is that I also think about in terms of. The nice thing about prefab is we're again we're. What time are you utilizing? No, yeah, I, I get you. I I just, I see if you're going to prefab stuff, it is heavier. It's going to be harder to fit together and get up in the air because it is heavier. Yeah, it, true. And if we're but, talking about trying to have something eight foot in the air. But my thought is I'm thinking about rolling it. Rolling to get, what? To get it up. So what I'm thinking about is you put your, your boards together, right? Mm-hmm. We have our angled pieces coming out the side that we're talking about, right? Sure. We rope that together and literally just take and come along or what muscle it over yeah. or whatever. So literally, we build it on its on its, so the legs are sticking up, right? Yeah. Imagine like Wiley Coyote or something, yeah, right? I get you. And we just kind of roll it into position. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna have more trouble doing that. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's gonna be a harder deal than something oh. a little lighter that you pop one side up, question, and then, then pop the other side up. That begs another question. Yeah. What about aluminum? Other than expense. Y- you know. <sighs> so, like, you use, like, an aluminum frame. Yeah. And then screw down some, pl- I mean, you'd still have to use ply. Yeah. Or. A, so, they they, they th- do yeah. have, another thought on that is they do make, well, those are normally for, like, non-load-bearing walls. They make the steel, steel studs. But, yeah, those steel studs, but they twist really easy. Yeah. But, I mean. We could use aluminum. Now, the advantage of that is is that, in theory, you wouldn't even have to have a... Uh, my welder will not do aluminum. So I have a nice TIG welder that my brother gave me. Sure. But it will not do aluminum. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a DC only. So you have to find somebody who has an aluminum welder. Or... A little more work. Why or, not? Or bolt together. Yeah. At that point, what about just angle iron steel? How thick would that have to be to support two dudes in a kit? So let's just say a thousand pounds. Sure. I'd have to look into that, but it wouldn't you wouldn't need quarter inch? No. You'd need something light because you got to figure the, the the decking weighs a little something. So it'd be have to weigh a thousand pounds over the course of it. Well, I'd have to look into that. Because I'll be willing to bet we can make something a lot lighter, a lot easier to put together. Mm, especially if we can have it to where like bolts together. I mean, because then or you have, can make it real compact. Because even if you had, like, the two-foot, the top decking area that you put the, the plywood on, even if those were two-foot triangles, essentially. Yeah, or two-foot squares. Two-foot squares would work really well. Two-by-twos. Uh, I'd want you stretch them out so you have a longer Well, it longer depends piece. on what, yeah, I mean, two-by-four. It depends on how big. You know, you're I mean, just going to have to bolt more and more and more together. 
Right, but my point. Well, oh, I see what you're saying. So you prefab the the Pre- steel. Prefab the steel for the platform at like two foot by eight foot, eight whatever, foot or six yeah. foot or whatever, and you have these big triangles that you bolt together to make six by whatever, four, eight. Gotcha. I see what right? you're going with. Six by six, whatever, and you put the plywood on top of that in your in your two foot. That, that right a... there is going to give you a lot less weight. Because if you think about how thin those uh, those stands are, you look at the metal on that. It's not what you would call. It's not even three sixteenths. No, I don't think it's even eighth inch. No, it's thin tubing, but it's tubular be, metal. Yeah, it's tubular metal. I'll bet you sixteenth would probably do it so, and have plenty of room. Yeah, uh, we may have to think about bracing underneath because of the span across. If you're doing a six foot by, well, if you're doing say two by eight, right? You know, you don't want to run some stringers across on each individual. Yeah, four by eight. I would say four by eight. So four foot wide by eight foot long. That just gives you more room for kids. And if you want well, I'm thinking you about sleep two dudes up there. Well, right, right. So I would say ultimately you'd want to, four, essentially you're trying to elevate a four by eight sheet of plywood up yes. there, right? So if you took a sheet of plywood, you cut it in half, right? Mm-hmm. So that to me says you have, uh, so it's four by eight. So you're really talking about two by eight. So two. So when you take it out, if you want to prefab it. Oh, prefab. I'm talking about in the air. When you have that thing up, you're oh, going yeah, to yeah. have some bracing oh. coming down from underneath it. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. You'd have to do that a little more so than you would with two, with two by fours or two by sixes. Only downside of that is is that if something happens and we have to move our stand, now we have to go out there and we have to go, it won't just rot away. Yeah. That would be the downside of that. Yes, that is going to be like if the state tells you to take it out, you have to take it out. Yeah, that would be the downside to it. Versus we could pull everything apart and just, I mean, in theory with a plywood and two by four construction, right? We could, in theory, pull off whatever metal bracing we have, which we have a little bit in there, yeah, and pull out some stuff. And literally, we just make a big old bonfire out there and burn it. True. And with and you start thinking about things in terms of how many trips with bear baiting barrels and things like that, because that's I mean we're, we've already got three barrels we take out. Yep. It's a lot. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm thinking a smaller, put it together. If you're going to go with two by and wood. A smaller package because you already have at least two trips. Yeah, probably more like three already with the barrels and the food and. The, oh yeah, yeah. Just so to get the first time say, going out there is gonna be a pain because after that we can cash things. Well, yeah. Once we have this stand up, it's set up. Right. But you already have at least three trips. That's three separate times we're going up there. True. Especially if it's back far enough where you're basically gonna do a one run out for a day. So unless we're gonna take a big three day weekend. And spend all three days going back and forth and back and forth, taking stuff in and out and setting up. Which, again, like you said, you got oh, there's a lot of the family of- stuff, you got work stuff, you got all these other things that are going on. So, true. If you, the smaller you can make this, and the the it's not going to take you that much longer to assemble a platform out there from with that's not been prefabbed. It mm-hmm. really won't. Yeah, it, it's not going to give you the ability to do this. Like, hey, there's something to do. Like now time. Right, yeah, in the middle of winter. In the middle of winter, you don't have that as much ability. But I don't think it's going to give you that much more benefit to prefab. Mm. I think it's going to cause more problems in the long run. Because as you're pulling that out there, it's going to be top heavy. It's going to want to tip over on whatever you're running it out on. It's going to be just more bulky, more heavier. It's not going to be what we're looking for. Versus if it's all prefab together, or if it's all bundled together really tight, just like they would drop it off the back of a semi truck when you're when you're delivering a lumber load for a construction project. See, but when I think about prefab, I think about like so you're talking about two by four, right? Or two by eight, excuse me. 
So if you cut it down the middle, or four by, excuse me, four by eight, it's essentially two platforms that we're going to have together. Matter of fact, we could even build them with a hinge. You know what I mean? If you want to already hinge them out, you know. Maybe. Because either way, we're going to have to somehow get that up there. And I don't think one extra two by four or two extra two by fours is that much more. We'd have to we'd have to really plan that out to see how much more you're actually going to get. Because I have a feeling your your amount of screws you're going to be using is increasing. The amount of metal pieces is increasing. All the stuff increases, which is going to increase your weight. So what you're telling me is we both have homework to go figure this stuff out. <laughs> yeah, that's what I just heard. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that. Let's do some designs. Let's sketch out some stuff and let's figure out like what does it really cost? Was or not cost, but um, cost in terms of weight. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's, let's see how much it. Let's see how much it comes out to be. I'll bet sure. you it pencils out less than you think it does. Uh, I just enough of that kind of building before the but frustration I'm, of trying to put something up there that's a little bit bulkier and heavier. The all those kind of things are going to play into it. Oh, I won't disagree that's not. I, I don't know. From personal experience, building stuff high, I mean, plenty of tree forts, plenty of yeah. those kind of things up here. I'll say but I've done things in Wyoming where we had to ATV stuff back in a ways yeah. and do things and trying to bring the raw materials in. I feel like, and again, it's just a feeling and like a memory kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like those projects that were more successful and were done better long term, there was some kind of a prefab and we brought things out like kind of so much of the way done. Yeah. Like ready to go so that you kind of like your final assembly on scene kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I, we need to do some penciling on that one. I think yeah. we sharpen our pencils and hone our skills and go, what does that really look like? Yeah. Because I think either one could be right and they both, both might be right. And it might be one of those things where you kind of go, oh, well, uh, not one's anyone head and shoulders better than the next. I'm going to agree with that. I th- uh, Ultimately, yeah. I think that's what we're going to come down to. You uh, watch. You watch. Pretty sure that's what's going to happen. I honestly think that our steel frame construction is going to beat the pants off of all of it. Yeah, I won't disagree with that. I either. think that's going to be. I really. Well, think I think we the need problem to, to that. The problem I think we're going to run in with that, honestly, because I can put up the other one. Because I mean, the plywood's the plywood, right? Yeah. And as far as getting it up there, I'm going to use some, a little bit heavier steel to get it up with, and the bracing and all that. Well, I think I think, I think for the the legs to get it up. We should just use four by fours. Four by fours. But I don't know what two by fours. I mean, we're talking one, two, let's just say three sticks. I could probably do it in, let's just say four sticks. I can do $10 worth, okay, fine, $15 worth of two by fours for each side. Personally, I think you're going to want to use two by sixes at the minimum. Mm, Two by six, okay. Because you're talking about, okay, you're going to put five foot of snow on that thing in the wintertime. Well, that's true. You got to think and about then that. And ice, and then this, and I mean, you're going to put a lot of weight on there. So at the minimum, you're going to be using two by sixes. You're going to be wanting to use at least three quarter, probably three quarter ply. Question. Have because you... if you do anything other than three quarter ply, you're going to have the problem of these things yeah. dipping, which means either you're going to add more bracing or you need to go thicker plywood. Question. Yeah. Have you heard of the no squeak, no squeak joists? The no squeak joists. For housing. Maybe. So they came with this thing where they would take and they would uh, use, it's like a particle board with like end caps of like, uh, it's not like two by fours, it's like one by ones. Okay. And so they run a strip down the middle with like a router kind of thing. This is all done in a you know, big high speed shop. And so they make these joists, essentially these big I-beams and they would replace out the two by sixes and the, you know, two by eights. And I've seen them in houses before. I saw it in the lower 48. I wonder what that would look like. Obviously, particle board would work that well up here. So that would just yeah, rot it away. rots away. But it's just food for thought. Would 
An I-beam construction work better. I don't know. I think they call them no-squeak joists, if I remember right. Yeah, I'm trying to look it up, see if I can see what we're talking about here, because I'm not seeing. I'll have to look. I'll find it. Sure. But it was like it was like particle board they used. Like it was like three quarters. Of oh inch. no, you're thinking of a, a TGI beam. TGI beam. Oh yeah. Okay, there you yeah. go. No, TGI would be. I mean, those actually work really well. But again, you have to. We'd have to. The, varnish the two things them. we have to do. No, I, we have to some way to seal, seal. Yeah, paint seal. But again, those are great. But you're gonna have to have more of them if you're if you're gonna have thinner plywood. So oh, agreed. But there's the three, more weight. But the three quarter ply to me, okay. The three quarter ply is is a wash. So I guess my question is two by sixes, right? Versus metal. So that's really what we're going to talk about. Let's be honest. That's about really it. what it comes down to, right? So two by sixes. Let's just say we have fifty dollars in two by sixes. Can we get metal? And at what point in time do we say uh, it's so much cheaper to go with? True. And so yep. one of the things I have some time off here, unrelated to all of this, just because of some personal stuff that's happened. Uh, everything's going to turn out okay in the end, but I just kind of got to go through this time. Yeah. I have some time available. Maybe I'll just hit the metal shop when I have to go get the PVC cement for the, sure. for that, uh, boat for the transom. See what, what, what does that have? cost? Because metal kind of works. Yeah. I like the idea of it. It's going to be less of a footprint. Mm. You don't have these big beams sitting up there in the woods. There's that. But the other thing too, is I think about in terms of, if I had to take it out, I could take my sawzall out there and hack it up into smaller pieces, take it out. You know what I mean? I just think in terms of cleanup, too. You know, I, mean? I just want to think about that. Sure. And I, I guess my thought on cleanup is if we have to clean up, it may take us three or four trips to get out right, there. Right, sure. What is it? it? Yeah. My thought is the this, this setup is more of like how fast can we get this set up and how efficient can we get it set up. I don't care how long it takes us to pull it out because if somebody says pull it out, okay. It's going to take me some time, It's going to take me some time. Just deal with it. You need some flat stock, square tube. It could be done. What about angle? I would use angle for the for the flooring, you mean? Yeah, so if you're building the, the instead of tubular stock for the the floor, mm-hmm. just use angle where it comes up and curves over and the, the Like it sits down in kind of an approach? You could do that too. Um I, I was have, thinking the other way where it would sit on top of and oh, okay, that would work it that too. way. I'll have to see the difference in structural. Yeah, I'm I'm just not. I'm not that good with metal right off the top of my head. I think box will box will obviously weigh more. Yeah. But I bet you by the time you get the angle, the equivalents, you know, like the weight that it can handle. Yeah. I'm willing, especially those long eight foot runs. Sure. Sure. You're probably gonna want to go square steel. Okay. Just call it a hunch. Yeah. And go like say eighth inch. It's tubular. Yeah, square stock. Yeah. thinking here I, I, I'm kind of thinking I like the, the the minimal footprint idea because your platform is now going to go from what two by six is you know five and a half plus your quarter inch you're, you're going to go from almost a seven inch platform the, to two inches right yeah if that well and the other thing is too is that you got to think about too is that if we have a stand that goes up year after year after year at what point in time do the things start rotting out too? Or does this the stand just going to stay there? Right. Well, but I'm saying so. So the, when the stand starts to rot out, at what point in time we say we're going to have to put some time back versus steel the rust out? I mean, if we paint it, chances of it rusting out are pretty small. So right. you hit it with a bring out a can of rattle can once so, a year. So which means you come out every couple of years and, and rattle can we rattle can it and bring out some plywood and redo the plywood. Right. Plywood's always going to be an issue. The other thing is when you think about maintenance. 
it'd be easier to pull the plywood off of a metal one than it would be off of a oh, wooden yeah. one because that's yeah yeah that'd be work yeah a lot of disassembling a lot of mm-hmm. especially if you have screws and then yeah versus yeah so there's some things to think about there but i mean again it's that time of year for that and that's this is this is what we do we, yeah, we do spin. a lot of this don't yeah. we unfortunately yeah but anyways we should uh look at getting back to doing the family things we still unfortunately have those duties to, to attend to yeah yeah i know so. but again my wife's pretty happy as long as i don't make a mess sure and i make a mess in the garage and she doesn't care about that she only cares about can she reach the spare refrigerator the deep freeze and the trash can other than that, the rest could be a total disaster out there, and she doesn't care. She would not like my garage right now. Yeah. Because she, yeah. <laughs> you can't return any of those things. The fridge, you can't. The freezer, you can't. You get to the freezer. Get, you get to the food. That's a good start. You gotta get the moose meat out. Yeah. Gotta get the moose meat out. Yep. Or the fish. Truth. But, anyways, we digress. I think there's a lot of things to think about. We need to start sketching up some plans, and let's do that. Because project time, it is that time for projects and just yep. thinking about how are we gonna make our time better? Yeah. Yep. Because I look at things in terms of I want to have a good summer and part of being successful in Alaska and anywhere in general is just time in the woods. Time in the woods and uh, maximizing the time in the woods. Right. I mean, I, if you're in the woods walking around circles not really having a plan, it's right. a good time, but... Did you really fulfill what you were looking for? Sure. Yep. So, so. anyways. All right. Well, um, as up, always, yeah, hit us up on the social inter, media. The interwebs, interwebs. You know, give us an email. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe like. to the podcast. Yes, please. Even if you don't listen to any more, subscribe. <laughs> Just a, and uh, it, it does a, help out. It does. It all these little details yep. matter. It's funny, but uh, you know when you start talking about things and looking at things, give us a, a good rating. You, good rating. Again, help. even if you don't like us, just hit the hit five and yeah, and five then, and then rip us a new one. Yeah, it's absolutely. okay. <laughs> 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 the funny part is, is I would argue that. By ripping us a new one, at least they care because they have enough care to rip. Right? It's the, <laughs> meh, I don't care, meh, yeah. meh. That, the indifference. I, the indifference, that's so. hard to work with. Anyways. All right, till next time. Till next time.